Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chasing Health Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Smith. No matter what goal you're working towards, I hope to show you that Chasing Health does not have to be a difficult or scary ordeal. Join me and my guests as we talk about all things related to becoming the best version of yourself, whether that's through nutrition, fitness, mindset, or life topics in general, we've got you covered. All right, let's not waste any more time and dive right into the show. Welcome back, you guys, to another episode of Chasing Health Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest, Susan Niebergall, and she is a just a wealth of knowledge. And her Instagram, if you haven't followed her, it's incredible, her transformation she's had. And she also is a co-coach in the inner circle with Jordan Syatt. Um, and that's how I believe I found her initially was through his Instagram. And I've just, I followed her for a while now. And she, she was a guest on our team call with my coach, Josh Pierce, a while back. And um, that's when I just knew I'd have her, I knew I had to have her on the podcast. Um, so without further ado, welcome, Susan. Thank you. So great to be here and great to see you, Chase. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. So before we get started, if you want to just go ahead and introduce yourself, tell people who, who is Susan. Yeah. So, um, hey, everybody, uh, I'm Susan Niebergall. I own Susan Niebergall Fitness, and I am a co-coach with Jordan Syatt in the Inner Circle. And um, I, I come to the fitness world from education. I was a teacher and a school counselor for 33 years. Um, and so I bring to the fitness world um, that background, the education, the teacher part of me. I have a lot of people tell me, I can tell that you are a teacher and, and that, and that's great. Cause that's part of who I am. I'm a teacher and I'm a counselor. Um, and I was the typical, well, I'm 61 years old now. And, in the last 30 years, I've been that typical person who does the yo-yo dieting, right? I overly restrict and I lose the weight and then some of it comes back on and then I lose a little and then more. And then we just do a little bits and pieces here and there for decades. And, and one thing I like to say is when, when you get to be my age, you speak in decades, you don't speak in years anymore. <laughs> it's decades. So literally yo-yo dieter for decades. And I did all of the crazy stuff back from maybe the uh, late eighties, early nineties, all the way to maybe seven years ago, stuff like I, I lost about 50 pounds on Jenny Craig way back in the day. Um, and it sounded great. You know, I, I went through that whole program, really didn't learn anything because I couldn't keep it off. Right. So after that initial weight loss of 50 pounds, I just, it was increments of, I never gained full 50 back, but I certainly gained a bunch, then lost a little, gained a bunch, lost a little. And I was on that yo-yo train for decades and, and tried everything, you know, overly restricting. I tried out exercising it. I tried um, the no fat thing. Um, I tried eating these little chocolate squares and people in my age bracket will know what I'm talking about. And I can't remember the name of them, but they were supposed to be appetite suppressants. You know, they just were basically... Little chocolate squares. <laughs> Needless to say, they didn't work either. Um, anyway, so my whole life, I just made a ton of these mistakes. And it wasn't until in my mid 50s when I hired Jordan as my one on one coach because I, I thought I wanted to power lift it and everything. Because through this time, I had gotten into a gym and worked with trainers at a gym and really liked the gym scene and really liked classes. That's kind of where I started. And then started working with some trainers and really like that. And so as time progressed, um, I actually became certified throughout this time too. I've been a trainer now for maybe 15 years, I guess. And um, 
brought on, brought Jordan on board as my one-on-one coach. Maybe it's been almost seven years ago now. Cause I thought I wanted to power lift and, and that certainly has changed over the years, but what, what I didn't work with him on so much directly at the beginning was nutrition. Cause I thought, Oh, okay. I probably have this all figured out at this point in my life, which I didn't, <laughs> but I did pay attention to everything. He wrote everything he um, published and And then I joined his inner circle as a member as well and put into practice many of the nutrition guidelines that we put in our monthly editions now, even to, even to, to this day. And so I was like observing and putting things into practice. And then he and I started working more and more on that together, along with my training and my life just changed because I, a lot of things, a lot of realizations hit me around that time. And that was how much I was just believing that my weight gain was completely associated with menopause, perimenopause, middle age, hormones, blah, 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 metabolism, you know, lit the list is long. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went actually to my doctor, uh, one, one, at one point in time, because I think fig- I figured my thyroid had to be low and this made so much sense to me. I mean, I like having things meet, make sense. Everything has to be logical, logical to me. This made sense. I'm middle age my metabolism is slowed down. That's why I have this belly fat. That's why I can't lose it. And so I went and had the the panel done and blah, blah, blah. And the doctor came back and said, you know what? You're fine. (laughs) Your thyroid's great. And I'm like, you know, I should, it should have been a happy day. Right. Because if you think about it, that means I'm in control instead of a disease. Right. Yeah. Um, but (laughs) right. I, I was devastated though. That news just broke me. Because I, I had, I had it all planned out. Like I knew that this was going to be a low thyroid. She was going to give me the medication a couple weeks into the medication. All of a sudden the weight was just going to come off. (laughs) (laughs) That was the easy road out. Right. Um, uh, and instead what this forced me to do was turn to myself and say, okay, let's talk about what you haven't been doing. You know, it was a come to Jesus meeting. Also old people use that a lot. It's, it's, it's like, <laughs> yep. it's like you, you have a heart to heart. It's, it's a, even bigger than a heart to heart. I had one of those with myself. I mean, I had to at that point. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because I wasn't tracking calories. I thought it was going to be miserable. I was eating healthy. And I put that mm-hmm. in quotes because who knows what that means really. Um, and I was a clean eater and I thought, well, why do I need to count this? I'm eating healthy stuff. Right. And, and when I look back on that time, it, it's a very common thing that so many people do it, when, when I talk to people, and I'm sure when you do as well, and we start the conversation about nutrition, it starts with, well, I eat healthy. And it's like, I don't know what the, I make them describe this. I, we go into detail because that gives me no context anymore, you know? Um, and, and what I find is that most people, including myself, I was a healthy overeater. I was eating the healthy things, but I was eating a ton of it. Um, and then an occasional something treat, whatever you want to call it. But I hardly would allow myself that kind of stuff because I thought that was like, oh no, that's not clean. <laughs> it's going to ruin everything. Um, so I was in that cycle too, but that doctor's appointment really changed everything. And shortly after that is when I brought Jordan on board and then things clicked. And, and, and I guess the point of me going on and on about this a little too long, sorry, um, is yeah. that it is, it is important to know that I changed everything in my fifties. So 
regardless of what you think is happening, you are still in control. You control the narrative, which is the great news for all of us, right? Some, some people may have PCOS, other issues, whatever, but you can still do it. Like the science of fat loss hasn't changed from age 20 to age 60. It's still the same thing, right? It's you eat less than your body needs. Now, as you get older, there are things at play that make it more challenging without a doubt. It's harder. We can't lose weight like this anymore. Like maybe we could when we were in our twenties, um, it is going to be harder. And that slower pace, sometimes people mistake that for it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And I think that's significant. You have to understand you're in this now for the long haul, right? There, there's no finish line. You're, you're just going to be doing this and, and there's ways to do this where you can live your life enjoy the foods that you love to do and make some slow and sustainable progress. Cause that's kind of what it's all about. So. Absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing all that. And I couldn't agree with all of that more. Um, one thing I want to touch on and we will definitely get into, cause I know some of my listeners will be curious to know about like what things do change and like how that implements you know, changes to your nutrition and fitness and life lifestyle. But before we can start labeling this as due to age or due to hormones or menopause, what should people be assessing in their life and nutrition and fitness and all of that before they start blaming their hormones and age? Great question. Great question. I feel like the first step, and I use the word awareness, right? Um, and I'll put, and I'll attach honesty to that too, because I think we bullshit ourselves all the, we'll bullshit ourselves into anything, right? We, we mm -hmm. always do. And I think we tend to do that with our eating, right? I'm eating, I'm eating pretty well, you know, I'm eating great. I, I'm not eating that much <laughs> when really you don't have any idea how much you're eating. And, and, and we as humans really are terrible at estimating that. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it shows time and time and time again, what we think is really a four ounce piece of chicken is probably seven, you know, um, because we're used to going to a restaurant and we see this piece of chicken and it's probably seven or eight ounces of chicken, mm -hmm. you know, but we're counting it as four. And, and so honesty and awareness about what we're eating. And, and I like to tell people this really good litmus test for this is to get out that pad of paper and a pencil, forget your phone, forget your computer. It's got to be paper and pencil. I'm a real stickler <laughs> because I really feel like when you take the time to write something down, it's here. It sinks in a little bit more and we're always in our phones. We're always on the computer. So let's step away from that. Keep a pad of paper and pencil out. And every time you put something in your mouth, you write it down. I mean, whether it's a bite of something or I had a handful of chips or I had a latte, I mean, drink food, it doesn't matter. You literally write it all the way down, sparkling water. You know, it doesn't matter. You write it all down. So you have an idea of what you put in your mouth every day, because that's eye-opening. You know, we never think about all the little bits and pieces that we take throughout the course mm -hmm. of a day and how they can add up um, because we're thinking, oh, it's not that much. But when you do, oh, it's not that much, a lot, <laughs> it becomes that much, right? One time is one thing, but four or five times throughout the course of a day, mindless stuff. So being aware. And then as you write these things down, do this over a course of a week or something, you will probably start finding yourself making different decisions just from that you know, just mm -hmm. little ones. Right. And people sometimes think, well, those little ones, they're not going to do much. Oh no, no, no. Those little things will add up just like the little bites that you taste add up to calories. 
these little steps that you take from making little adjustments will add up too. And, and I think that's where you start from the nutrition perspective, because I feel like if you don't have any true, honest awareness as to what you're consuming, you're, you're going to be spinning your wheels a little bit. I think it has to start there. And it's an easy place to start for most everybody. Right. Um, and, and from the movement perspective, you know, movement is so important. You, you know, you and I are both big proponents of strength training and, and the benefits of that, especially as you age, Mm -hmm. I would go as far as to say it is required. It is vital. It is critical for you as you age, because if you want to be able to pick something up off the floor, if you want to be able to go upstairs, sit in a chair, stand up, play with your grandkids, whatever it is, then you got to strength train. That's how, that's how you're going to be able to do that for a long period of time. And because we lost muscle mass starting around age 30, just normal mother nature kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we can still put on muscle. I've put on a lot of muscle in the last seven years. Absolutely. I mean, I have, it's possible again, it's harder for us. It is, it just, I'm not going to put on the same kind of muscle, like a 30 something woman, you know, I'm just not going to do it, but I can still do it. And, um, so my thing is strength training needs to be part of your journey somehow, shape or form. It doesn't have to be the obsessive part of your journey. And even if you don't like it, I think it's important enough to force you to to put it in there a little bit. You know, if you love to do classes, go do your classes. You've got to do something that you love. That's really important, but you also need to do strength training somehow, some way. Because maintaining muscle and building muscle as you get older will increase the quality of your life for a longer period of time. I mean, and that's, it's that simple. Absolutely. And that, I remember that was one of the big things you really pushed on our team call. We had a few weeks back with Josh's call and, and I know a lot of people kind of resonated with that was because they felt like I do all of this work or cardio or things like that. And I'm just not seeing the results that I want. I'm not getting that look that I want. And besides just the benefits from like long-term and, you know, and that's a whole other story in itself is because people don't realize how beneficial that is down the road. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they, if they're not seeing those instant results, that instant gratification, it's hard to keep pushing. It, it is. really is. It, it really is. And, you know, when I was a school counselor, I talk with kids all the time about, you know, I was in, I, I had the middle school kids going into high school mm-hmm. and, um, I would often say to them, you know, you guys, I've been your age. I know what's coming for you. I know what's coming. I know that you don't want to put in the time right now because you can't see past Tuesday, much less three or four or five years from now. Right. But trust me, you will be glad that you have done, you know, you've passed this class, you've done this, blah, 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 blah. Um, three, three years from now or whatever. And, and, invariably I get kids writing back to me still to this day, thanking me for, for those kind of conversations because they got it then. Right. Um, and, and the same thing with this, it, you know, a lot of people say, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I don't have to worry about that. No, I, I really feel like we all need to worry about that. And if I had known 30 years ago, what I know now, um, I think I would be in even better shape or whatever you want to call it. I would be in, in a di- different place than I am now, right? Um, because I would have implemented things much earlier on and, and maybe saved more muscle mass along the way, you know? Um, but I, I, the cool thing here is that anybody out there listening that's thinking, well, you know, she's got great genetics, she's athletic, she's blah, blah, blah. 
um, uh, bullshit. <laughs> Sorry, but um, I have heart disease as a number one big genetic thing. Yay. I've got to fight that every single day. I am not athletic. I was, I was on a swim team once in junior high and I was awful. I, um, I did play co-ed flag football when I was in my twenties. I did kick ass at that, that one, that, (laughs) that, that was a little rec league in our gym. And I was actually good at that. But aside from that, uh, uh-uh. <laughs> you know, I, I don't have any of those things. I am somebody who just stopped putting up with the bull crap. I was telling myself had that aha moment when the doctor told me, you know what, all your blood work is fine. And finally decided I want to make some change and I, and I want to do, I want to be able to take a hold of this. And when I started doing those positive steps and up here, thinking about it like that, um, hired my, the coach who, who and I, he and I clicked instantly. The, that was the perfect match for me. Someone to hold me accountable as well. Um, who pushed me out of my comfort zone. I often say he pushed me so far out of my comfort zone. I couldn't ever even see it anymore. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was that far gone. Um, just that. And, and I worked hard. I'm a hard worker. You know, you give me something to do. I'm a good student. I will do what you tell me to do. And those things are what has made the changes, right? It's not genetics. It's not this. It's not that. It's me working my butt off and me making it a priority to work my butt off. Even with a business, my workouts are are my priority, you know, because it's my health. Mm Because if I don't have my health, who I'm not going to be good to anybody. You know, I can't help anybody. Exactly. Right. I I, want to walk the walk too. Yeah. And, and one of, I actually have a quote written down from when you spoke on our call a few weeks back that I love, and it's something you've already spoken to a little bit, this call with the, this podcast is successful people call themselves out on their bull crap. Yeah. And that spoke to me so well, because so many times it's so easy just to keep thinking of excuses, blaming others and not really looking at what am I doing? Sure, I can't control what everyone else does at the office. I can't control, you know, what other people are doing at the gym or what people, you know, what people bring for me to eat or, but I can control what I'm eating. I can control how I'm working out. I can control everything that I do and say and think. Yeah, a hundred percent. No matter what anyone else says. Yes, absolutely. I think, and and that is one characteristic that separates the successful people and the people that have not been successful yet that, and, and, um, I, because we fall for it all the time it, and it's the easy way out, isn't it? I mean, it really is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's easy to say, Oh yeah, well, it doesn't work for me. How many times have we heard that? This doesn't oh, yeah. work for me all the time. I mean, all the time that to me, when I hear someone say that, and I call them on this every single time, this to me means this is my, my justification now to keep doing what I've been doing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that it doesn't work for me is a justification now to not change, to not change your behavior. Right. Um, and, and I think that's the kind of honesty that people need, you know, they, they need to look at themselves and say, no, th- of course it's going to work for me. I just have been so focused on the outcome, which is that number on the scale, which seems to yep. be the end all be all. And I've focused so much there and less on what I'm doing and less on more and less on how I could improve what I'm doing, you know? And when you start focusing on that part, how I can improve my consistency, all of those things, the results come, <laughs> they Absolutely. come with that. 
right? But we're so focused over here on the number that we lose sight of the process over here and what we could do to be better. Mm-hmm. And finding what process works best for us. Just like, yes. you, just, just because like, and you know, just throwing random things out here, like Weight Watchers works, keto works, you know, low fat diets work. All of those things work if they work for you. Yes. But if they're not working for you, then nothing's going to work until yeah. you want to do whatever plan. And you know, that's why I'm so encouraging to people to come up with their own rules, write their own rules, create what they want to do for the rest of their life, not what sure. someone else says. Absolutely. And your point's so well taken. It's got to work for you. And the only way you're going to know if it works for you is if you try it. Yes. (laughs) And you've got to try it for more than a day or a week. You need to try it. I like to tell people 30 days, maybe even 60 days of 80 to 85% consistency with what your, whatever your goals are. Um, and then make a, make a decision because you're never going to know. And, and sometimes people say, well, I don't want to waste my time. And I'm like, you think that's time wasted? I think it's the best time you could spend. Yes. <laughs> it, I mean, whether something works for you or not, e- knowing either one of those is so, um, it, it's so beneficial, right? So there's no wasting time. Um, time's going to go anyways, right? So let's put it to good use and let's find something that works. And and I guess that stems from everybody wants us to give them a formula and I'm just going to plug this formula in and follow this formula. And I, it's going to be my formula. It's going to work. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we give formulas as a place to start, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you test, you take that formula for a test drive for those 30 or 60 days, focus on your consistency, be a little patient, do all the things that you're supposed to do, and then make a determination whether that was something that's going to work for you. Maybe you have to tweak it slightly, but it's trial and error. That's the whole concept here. It's trial and error. And I think that in the, in the age that we're living in now with instant gratification and everything's so automatic, I feel like that's part of the problem too, right? Absolutely. Um, Everybody wants something very quickly. Everything's at our fingertips anymore. And I, and I think that muddies the water. I mean, not, it doesn't for me because I didn't have any of this when I grew <laughs> up. Right. So, um, yeah. but it can muddy the water for a, a lot of people. Right. And so of I think course. that that's part of it. Yeah. And, and wouldn't you agree with the statement that some of the biggest lessons we learn in life are from the things we fail at? Oh, hundred percent. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 I used to be petrified of failing. I would set oh, myself up. I would set myself up for the safe route. Right. And when we use phrases like this doesn't work for me, this is what I always do. Here's another one. I love, I love hearing this one. This is what I always do. I always just go in there and I grab, well, you have just given yourself the green flag to go ahead and do it all you want, man. Cause this is what you always do as if you have no control over yourself. Of course we have control over ourselves, right? We're yeah. just using that as the justification to keep doing it. And it's easy. It's, it's easier to say that it's also a little bit of a protection in case we don't, in case we don't succeed. Right. See, I told you it doesn't work for me. Right. And and I feel like when, when people go into something like that with, with, with the mentality of having this, this safety net or whatever, I feel like the effort that you put into it is not what it could be. Because you always have this thing, well, you know, I'll just, you know, it just doesn't work for me, whatever. No, you control this. And will you have setbacks? Of course, we all do. 
Will you go over your calories? Of course, you're going to go over your calories. I mean, you're a human being, right? Yeah. But the, I guess the point is, it's okay. Absolutely. <laughs> it's okay. Call it what it is. I went over my calories. Okay. So what am I going to do? I'm just going to hop back on track. That's it. You don't have to balance your calories out. You don't have to do an extra round of cardio. You don't have to do all that. You mm -hmm. just hop back on track because that one time you went over your calories doesn't change anything. You may have some extra food in your belly. So if you step on the scale, you're going to weigh more, but that's just because you have food in your belly. It yeah. doesn't mean you have all this fat all over you all of a sudden. <laughs> no, of course not. And, and you know, go ahead. I was just, just going to say, isn't it funny how we think fat comes on us like this? I mean, <laughs> you, you know, within minutes, fat comes on us. Yep. <laughs> you eat this meal and all of a sudden we are just this Oompa Loompa, right? Yeah. And, 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 but when we're trying to lose that fat, it takes for freaking ever. <laughs> yes. I, I like, to, I, I use the example a lot of times with people. It's like, you know, after you're eating a big meal, it's not going right, right on as fat. Like think about if you went and stood on the scale and then I hand you a hamburger and it's in your hands, that number on the scale is going to be bigger because yeah. you have more food on, on the scale. It. Exactly. Yeah. Is it fat? No, it's no. in your hands. It's not even <laughs> inside your body. I so love that one. There's no difference between having the hamburger in your hands and, or it's inside your gut. It's yes. Like I love that. And, you know, in, in the same, like Jordan has used the example of step on the scale, weigh yourself, then go drink eight ounces of water and then go step on it again. You know, yeah. why are you not freaked out about that? <laughs> you know, I mean, Yes. It's the same, but holding the hamburger in your hand. I love that. That's great. <laughs> or just the reverse of the water thing. You know, I, I mean, have you ever, I'm sure you've done like the little experiment, you know, go step on the scale and then go use the bathroom Yeah. and then you step on the scale yep. again. And it's like, did you lose wow. two, three pounds of fat all of a sudden? Yeah. No, of course no. not. So this is the exact no. same. Um, but I would say all these things I, I can relate to because I was believing those things too. Absolutely. And, and I, I always confused the feeling of feeling full with feeling fat. I yes. thought they were one and the same. Like when you go out to eat, maybe you eat more than you normally do. You feel full, you yeah. know, but you know, if you've gone out and had your drink and whatever, it's a nice big meal, you're going to feel full. Your stomach is going to be like, Ugh. and um, a lot of people feel fat. So they, they confuse the two, right. Mm -hmm. And they're two very different things. And I think it gets in our head. Absolutely. Of course. And now going back to the strength training thing, I wanted to touch on something you mentioned, because I knew you said at one point, if you like doing the exercise group, group classes, you know, do that because that's something you enjoy, but just to pick your brain some, if someone said, well, Susan, I like going orange theory and, and I'm not saying anything wrong about orange theory. You know, I think mm -hmm. it's great. I've done some orange theory and I thought they were great workouts, but if someone came to you and said, Susan, I, I love doing orange theory and we, we lift weights for a couple of times, you know, each, each time we go to orange theory. Why, isn't that enough? You know, it's so funny. Someone asked me that in my Instagram Q and a, which I, I actually answered that one up on my story. Um, they asked me my opinion about orange theory and, and we'll use that as an example. I really feel like one thing orange theory does really well is the community piece, right? People love going there and being together and it's competitive or whatever. It's high paced, all that kind of stuff. I view orange theory. If your goal is cardio and to improve your run time or increase your, your endurance or whatever, I think orange theory would be the place for you. You know, w w they are a cardio focused group. 
one of their rotations is what they call their strength rotation. I've seen what they do there um, and, and the kinds of things that they do there. Because it's a class, because it's timed, you're inherently limited by building significant strength in something like that. It's not, it wouldn't be safe either, right? Because there's so many people. Um, and and from what I've had several of my clients do Orange Theory and, and what they describe to me are um, not super heavy weight that they're using, which you're inherently limited with too, from a class perspective. And I get it. If you have kind of a class, a big group of people, you can't have them all using 50 pound dumbbells and keep an eye on all of them and make sure they're doing everything correctly. Right now, is that better than not doing anything at all? I would say yes. Right. Um, I would say maybe that's where you want to start, but if you're trying to change significantly how you look, because you want to get more toned, that toned word, which by the way, means building muscle. No one wants mm-hmm. to hear that, but that's what it means. That's not going to be where you're going to do it. You, you Just because of how the classes are set up. And that's not a knock on Orange Theory. That's just reality with what they do. They are a cardio group first. That's their priority. Strength is kind of that little thing on the side there. Um, so it will not replace strength training. Someone asked me if Pilates uh, functions of strength training. No, it's not the same. It's different. It doesn't mean it's bad. It means it's different. You can't shortcut strength training. The only way to replicate strength training is to strength train, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> yes. I mean, that that's it. You, you have, you go with a trainer. If you don't know what you're doing, get a trainer to show you hire a trainer for a handful of sessions, get to know the weight room, get to know what a routine in great form is. And then you could go out on your own. You could go to an online coach. You could go to a group, whatever you want to do. You you could then the world's open up to you. Right. But, and you'll know what I mean when you do a session like that, how it's nothing like body pump or orange theory or whatever those other classes Mm -hmm. are. They're different. They serve different purposes. So if you truly want to change how you look, then you got to get into a gym and lift some heavy weight. Yeah. And what would you say for someone? And, you know, I think about some of my clients who are, you know, middle-aged women, you know, 40, 50 years old, and maybe they've never been to a gym in their life. They've never stepped foot in a door. They've never picked up a dumbbell, nonetheless a barbell or anything like that. I mean, like you, you try to expect them to go do something like that. And they just look at you with fear in their eyes of never being able to do something like that, you know, their form of exercise is going to get on the treadmill. Yeah. What would you say to someone if they were like, Susan, I, where do I even start? Like, I've never been to a gym. How do I even get started? Yeah. I mean, great question. I I honestly say, you know what? I mean, if you're, if your thing is a treadmill, go to the gym and get on the treadmill, you know, get into the environment, Mm -hmm. you know, just start because all gyms have a vibe, right? They, Mm -hmm. they all have their own little unique vibe, their own culture, Go where you feel comfortable um, and spend some time there on the treadmill or the elliptical, whatever it is, do just get in the, in the environment, then maybe sign up for a class. You know, that's how I started. I started doing, you know, mine were a long time ago. And back then class, <laughs> the classes that I took were high, they called them high impact aerobics, right? And sometimes they involved a step, but there was a lot of jumping, a lot of stuff what people don't do anymore. But you know, I was young then too. Um, but it was fun because everyone, the music was pumping, the instructor was full of life. Uh, we all got to know each other. The community got me. I, I, it that kept me going back. 
That's where I started, you know? And I think for someone brand new, that could be the ticket, you know, to get your feet in the door. Um, I would also say, because strength training is so important, I would also say, hire one of the trainers at the, the, at the gym to work with you just for even a little bit of time so mm -hmm. they can get you safely working, you know, body weight movements and then add some weight to them. So you have a routine that you could do um, when you go to the gym yourself, right? So lots of little steps to this, but I think th the first thing is get your feet in the door and mm -hmm. go to, go to that treadmill, hang out, you know, observe. I used to do that whenever I would join a new gym, I would go and walk on the treadmill and I would just watch how the trainers worked with other people. And I would start picking the one I wanted to work with based on that. I, you know, I mean, there were certain yeah. things that I was looking for um, and I would look for that. Um, so spend time just getting to know the place. You know, I think that that's where you start too. Yeah. And, you know, and actually what you just said is kind of how I started in the gym myself. It's like, you know, cause I started with the, you know, cardio equipment, it's either the treadmill or the elliptical. Those were like the two things that I was really big on when I first started in the gym. And then it was, then I progressed to the weight machines, you know, yep. you know, no, no free weights, just to the machines yep. did that for a little while. And then I did, I hired a personal trainer that I worked with once a week and we just started with the, um, free weights yep. and I learned all the compound lifts, your yep. squat, your deadlift and your bench. And he helped me. We started with just the bar. You know, I think it's another thing. Don't be afraid to just start with like, you don't have to be lifting heavy to be successful and you don't have to be lifting heavy to get started start with just the bar. And that's what we did, you know? And yeah. That, that I mean, heavy is relative, right? I mean, yes. it, it's relative to where you are in your journey and it's relative to what, it, to where, you know, how much you, you can actually hold or whatever. But I, I feel like um, when some people hear the word heavy, they assume I've got to have this barbell with 50 plates on it. And I have to lift <laughs> it off the floor. I'm going to hurt my back. I'm going to get injured. And then all this stuff, they catastrophize everything. And, and they've taken something that heavy is just relative. I mean, it could be 10 pounds for one person, 50 pounds for another person, six. I mean, and it depends on the exercise, exactly. you know, so you're not going to lift a 60 pound dumbbell over your head, but you might be able to hold it vertically and do, um, a hip hinge with it or something because you're working bigger muscles, you know, your butt, your legs. And, um, so it, it it's different for every exercise. It's just getting yourself educated. And, and I, my husband and I were actually talking about this the other day, how, as we get older, I mean, change is harder. Change in anything is harder as, as we get older. And as we've gotten older, just small little changes are like, no, I don't <laughs> want to do that. <laughs> you know, unreasonably. So I remember my parents being the same way. I, I don't know what happens to us, but change just our heels get dug in with things. And I think mm -hmm. that's what makes us even more challenging, right? Because it is going to take some people way out of their comfort zone. It's like, you know, I'm going to be switching gyms at the end of the month because mine is closing permanently and I'm devastated because I've been there forever. And I've looked at my other options They're They're giving us a bunch of really nice options. And I walk into these gyms and I feel like I just shrank, you know, I'm the new kid. And in school, the first day of school, I'm the new kid. People are looking at you. They're like, who is this person? I get it. I'm, yeah. I'm experiencing that right now, <laughs> but I go and I go with a plan. So I don't like think, so what am I going to work out today? No, I, when I walk into a gym, I know what I'm going to do. And I think that comes with 
you get a trainer to help you first and, and they give you a plan and then you can walk in with your own plan. I, and I think if, if there was one piece of advice I would get people is that when you want to go and lift in the gym and you're intimidated, you're afraid people are looking at you. First of all, understand that basically nobody cares what, what I feel people are looking at me. They're not looking at me. No. I think they're looking at me, but they're not right. They don't care. Um, it's all in our heads, but go with a plan. Know what you're going to do before you walk in the door, because that'll really lessen the anxiety that you have going either to a new gym or a gym or whatever. Know what you're going to do before you actually set foot in the door, have it on a piece of paper, whatever, and, um, and just go and get your workout in. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more with that. And, you know, I think working with a personal trainer is one of the best things that I've done in a while. Yeah. And, and even, you know, and it doesn't have to be in-person training. I feel like a lot of people don't realize how many options are out there for like online personal trainers yeah. and such. And, you know, I just record my workouts and send them to my personal trainer and, you know, get critiques week by week and it works out you great. Know, and I love that you brought that up because I think uh, online has opened up so much for people. I will say this. I, if, if anyone's a, like a stark naked beginner, like, mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm doing. Online can be a frustrating place because, um, you will need to video yourself. Like, like you just said, that sounds intimidating. You know, it's nothing more than propping your phone up against a water bottle and hitting record. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, someone asked me in Instagram Q and a, how I get such great shots. And I'm like, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I prop my water bottle up on my, you know I mean? I mean, I mean, uh, the phone up on my water bottle. It's not technical. It's intimidating. I get it. So sometimes if the person could get some in-person first, yes. a handful, and then go to an online person, then you've already got a little bit of a, a working knowledge of some things, mm-hmm. and it might be a little less intimidating from out of the gate. I will say this, though. There are more and more beginner group fitness things that I'm seeing pop up now, which I think there's a need for. You know, I really do. I I think it, if they're done correctly with lots of, of of videos and lots of communications and things, I think it could be um, a great place for people. You know, I think that's newer and it's coming out. There's more and more of them. So yeah, I'm excited to see that. Yeah, and I think another benefit of working with someone in person, if you are brand new, is you're going to have questions as you're doing the workout. And where if you're with an online trainer. It's more of like you've, you're videoing yourself doing the workouts and then you're sending it to them and then you're getting feedback maybe an hour or so later whenever they text you back. Yeah. Whereas in person, you can get those questions that answered right away yeah. or they're able to critique you in real time and like, and especially for like safety concerns and such. Yeah, absolutely. A benefit to both, but yeah, um, 100%. Yeah. And then so next I want to kind of pivot just a tad into, let's say someone, you know, they are really starting to work on, you know, their nutrition, fitness and such. And they're in their forties, fifties, you know, or, you know, menopause, you know, all these things, you know, start, I feel like so many people, they start, it's easy to blame those things as we've already discussed, but in all honesty, there are changes that go on with her hormones and such, and they do play a role in all of these things. What would be some big things to keep in mind for people, you know, whether it's perimenopausal, menopause, postmenopausal, you know, for as far as nutrition and fitness goes, what do they need to take into consideration with those things? You know, it's interesting. And, and, and this may be a surprise. I've, I feel like you need to consider that the rules are the same. Um, that's the first thing, that there are no different rules for us. Um, the science is still the same. 
Um, there's no special science for us. There's no tips, tricks, little whatevers to work around science for us, right? It, that, that, that's the first thing. Um, the other thing is to understand that you can make changes, that you are able to do it. Whatever, however you're experiencing perimenopause or menopause, and we all experience it differently, um, you can still make changes. The issue comes up when, when perimenopause and menopausal symptoms pop up, it's not the symptoms themselves, like the night sweats or the hot flashes. Those are the most common that you hear people talk about. Um, those aren't the issue. It's how we respond, how behaviorally to those, the fatigue that happens as a result of those, right? The lack mm -hmm. of sleep and what that can do to our behaviors. We crave certain foods usually when we're not having a full load of sleep, right? Mm -hmm. Cortisol's high, all those kinds of things. And then we want to eat everything, right? It's how we behave. That's the problem. That's what you need to be aware of. It's, it's not like, okay, my hormones are whatever. My hormones are acting up, mm -hmm. whatever that means. My hormones are acting up. I'm just going to go eat a sleeve of cookies. No, you don't have to eat a sleeve of cookies. It's not a, you know, stop and make yourself aware. Do, do I really need to eat the sleeve of cookies? No, you really don't. So how can we navigate that? It's, um, Here's one, one, one tip I give a lot of people who binge eat, who emotionally eat, whatever. When you feel that need to go grab that sleeve of cookies, right? The first thing I have everyone do is look, is just stand there and say, look, stop and ask yourself, am I hungry? Just bring it out of a subconscious mindless thing. And now asking yourself that question, it's now conscious, right? And the answer is usually no, <laughs> we're not hungry, right? Um, but then at that point, it's not mindless anymore, right? You are about ready just to grab it and start eating without even thinking. Now you're making a decision and that's totally different than just grabbing and going. So now we're at the point where we're gonna make this decision. So what I tell everyone to do, set a timer for 15 or 20 minutes, go do something else. If you can go for a walk or do, do whatever, just go do something else. When the timer goes off, if you still wanna have some cookies, cool, go back in, open the sleeve of cookies, put a couple of cookies, whatever on a plate, go sit down at the table and eat those cookies. Allow yourself to do that. Yeah. What you're going to find is oftentimes this urge dissipates quite a bit with a little bit of distance. Sometimes it goes away completely and you're thinking, you know what? I don't need no cookies, you know? And so you don't eat them. Um, or sometimes you're like, you know what? I still really want some cookies. Cool. Now you're allowing yourself. It's not this bad thing anymore. Yeah. It's something I'm allowing myself to do. I'm, I'm being mindful. It's still conscious. I'm putting some on a plate. I'm going to sit down and eat them instead of grabbing the sleeves, sitting on the couch and just piling them in my mouth, which you end up feeling horrible for later. And then you beat yourself up. And then we go through this whole cycle. Whereas when you allow yourself to enjoy some of these cookies, you haven't ruined any progress, right? You're allowing yourself to do it. And maybe the next time, maybe you don't need, you don't even think of the cookies. You know I mean? You keep practicing these behaviors and it becomes a little bit easier to manage. Now, are there times where you just might say, screw it. I'm going to grab the sleeve. Yeah, sure. I, I would say if you're human, probably it's not a, it's not about being perfect. It's just about in, implement, implementing some strategies that will help you over time, get better at it, you know? So it's not so much the hormones themselves, but it's what we do because of them, you know, how we behave, it's the behaviors. And, and I think that's where people get 
it gets cloudy for people with that. They assume it's just hormones. Oh, I'm just going to hormones equals cookies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hormones yeah. doesn't equal cookies. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that doesn't, oh, come on, you know, fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just, you know, I, I love how you connected that. And I'm just, you know, I'm thinking back to what you just said about, you know, your, it's not about the hormones it's how you're reacting to those and your behaviors because of them. And I don't want to, I don't want to make it sound like it's super easy. No. It, oh, it's not. It's not. But that I think that's the nail on the head, to be honest. I think it's our behaviors in reaction to what are what, what's happening with our bodies, you know? Um, um, and there's a lot going on. So it, it can make us want to eat more sweet things or crave certain foods or whatever. And, you know, you and I have talked to people about craving things, you know, cravings, intense cravings usually comes from severe restriction, like not allowing yourself. I've been good for this Mm -hmm. week. So now you want to go ahead and haul off on some pizza or, you know, or whatever it is, you know, learn how to incorporate things as you go so that the cravings aren't either there or they're not nearly as intense you know, it's, it's all behavioral and it's, it starts again, we can bring this back to awareness, right? Being aware of what's going on, getting things out of the subconscious and into the conscious, you know, and making decisions from a conscious point of view, instead of mindless. Yeah. Shows you how much, how much of this nutrition and fitness stuff is mindset related. Oh my like gosh. So yes. many people don't include that third tier into this. You think it's all about what you eat and how much you're exercising, but none of that is worth anything if you don't have your mindset in the right spot. Yeah. And one question that I had one person ask a question as far as um, hormones and such goes, and it was related to nutrition. They asked along the lines of do any foods or any types of foods or any foods in particular directly influence like hormone levels or things like how it like makes you feel versus and not just like if you eat like a, you know, a lot of sugar or something like that, you might feel like crap later on. not like that kind of like related to like hormones and going through menopause and such directly. Do, does any foods have a direct relationship with that? I honestly think that's more of a medical kind of question. It would come from a medical background person. Okay. Um, so I, I, I don't know if I would feel comfortable saying, well, yeah, if you eat this, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, because I do feel like that in and of itself could be a little different for um, all of us. I will say a diet high in nutrient dense foods is always, always, always going to trump anything. Common sense, right? Mm -hmm. Common sense is going to prevail with this. Are there maybe one little, two little foods that may help with what potentially I wouldn't, I don't even go down those roads. I stay common sense lane. That's me. I like it. Um, you know, um, I will say there are people out there that know far more than I do about that kind of specific thing. Um, and like Amanda Thebe would be a great resource for anyone for that. She, she wrote a book called men apocalypse, which yes. is hilarious. Yes. I um, love it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she, she has a great resource for stuff like that, but for me, and, and I think just in general, common sense lane is the lane you want to be in because, um, and then aside from that, all the other little things, if, if it's sweets that make you feel bad or salty, whatever it's, that's going to depend person to person. But we all, we all know that a nutrient dense diet is what we all need to be doing. Right. Um, 
And that's what we need to focus everything on. Instead of all the little things, let's focus on this. Let's get this down first. The common sense right? lane. I love that. Yeah. I love that. That's, <laughs> that is so true. I feel like so many people want to take the detours and look at other options, different routes. And it's like, just stay in common sense lane. I like Common that. sense <laughs> lane. And it's, it's a, um, it's kind of like, you know, we're, we're all always looking for a shortcut or something, mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes it's common sense lane where you need to just hang out. It's, it's not sexy. It's not anything new, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, but it's what works, you know, it, 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 it will work. Um, and maybe, and I do want to point out, I know there are people out there that have extenuating circumstances, right? So this is all very general. Um, cause some people push back. Well, for me, I'm a blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, I don't have something for every single person on the earth, right. Mm -hmm. In your specific scenario, but in general, a nutrient dense diet is where we all need to be. Now, if you have a specific issue where you need to stay away from fats or whatever, because of a medical condition. Okay. So then you have to do what your doctor's telling you to do for your medical condition. If you have PCOS, that's a super hard, um, diagnosis to deal with for a lot of people, because it makes weight loss really challenging. It does. And, um, people think it's impossible for them to lose weight. We got to inner circle members with PCOS losing weight just fine. Right. It, it, so it does come back to common sense lane and it does come back to the basic stuff, but the difference maybe with someone with PCOS is you better be on top of it. You don't have a lot of wiggle room. Like somebody without PCOS may have a little bit more wiggle mm -hmm. room. I don't know. But if you've got something like that, you don't have any wiggle room really. And so now you, and then that, and that sucks. Let's just put that out there. That sucks, yeah. but that's the reality. So, but that doesn't mean you can't do it. Nope. It just needs to, it just means that you need to be on top of it more than maybe you have been before. Yeah. Your, your consistency is going to have to be a little bit higher than those who maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe, you know, we always say, you know, 80, 85% consistency. Well, maybe yours needs to be a little bit closer to 90, 95%. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and like you said, we're not saying this is easy. It yeah. sucks if, you no. know, if you have something like that going on. But yeah. And if you're, and if you're on the shorter side and have that, oh, I mean, my heart bleeds for you, right? Because that's tough. You know, if you're shorter, it's harder anyway, because there's less of you, there's less mass of you your body doesn't need as much to survive as somebody in an average height, right? So that's going to be harder on a good day. And if you're shorter with PCOS, well then, okay, so now we, we've got this wall, you can break through the wall, but you need to understand that what might do better for you is to, because your calories are going to be low, your calories are just going to be low, do small little spurts of these low calories to then head into maintenance for a little bit, give yourself a break you know, go, that's how you sustain this. Maybe in, in the inner circle, we call it a jab kind of thing where we do a handful of days at a deficit and we come up and we do some time and maintenance and we go back and forth that way. That way you're not killing yourself with living on, you know, what seems like nothing, right. Yeah. Um, in order to lose fat, you're giving yourself some time to kind of recover and, 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 and live life a little bit differently and then go back down, get some energy on board to in the mindset of break, mm -hmm. you know, all of that, and then go back into a deficit. And I think that little periods of maintenance like that for those people is so effective. Um, increasing your NEAT for those people, so effective. Like mm -hmm. y'all need to be walking more. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to help you. 
It's really yes. going to help you. Um, and, and just for anybody, wh- whether you're short PCOS or not, maintenance breaks, they're the best, right? It just gives your mind a break. It gives your body a break. You have more energy on board to go hammer some workouts. Now your sleep is probably better. You're going to love life. You're probably never going to want to leave maintenance. I'll tell you, (laughs) I mean, right. But it's going to give you the energy to go back into a deficit whenever you're ready. And it doesn't mean that you're going to stop losing progress. It's going to mean that you're going to learn how to maintain your weight, which is significantly powerful. Um, And then go back into a deficit, which you already know how to do. Right. And that's the key to sustainability is finding things like that, that work for you, that maybe you could cycle or whatever, and be able to enjoy the things you want to enjoy. Exactly. I, I love that. And, and I, I, I think people don't realize how great maintenance is until they've gone through mm. maintenance. So you definitely hit the nail on the head there. Like when you said like, you won't want to leave could not agree enough. Oh, right. I, I mean, I don't know how long you've, I've been in maintenance for years and I'm, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I got out of maintenance to go into a surplus for about six months. So big bonus there, mm-hmm. um, dialed it back to maintenance. And it's like, this is where I live. I don't track. I haven't tracked any, I haven't tracked in years at all. And, awesome. and I say that to let people know that once you have done this and once you have learned and put in some time behind it, this is what happens. You don't have to track, you know, how to eat to maintain your weight. You know, do I go over my, I don't even even know what my calories are, by the way. I don't know. (laughs) I could guess if I had to sit there and add them up, but I am, you know, do I overeat? Of course I do, but I also know how to balance this out. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't starve the next day. I just kind of get back to my normal. I have four or five breakfasts that I rotate through, you know, Mm -hmm. lunches, the same thing. You just kind of know how to do it. And, um, the power in that is so significant because once you know how to do that, you eat just a little less and you're in a deficit. You eat just a little more and you're in a surplus. And so the world's yours. You know, you can do whatever you want. Yes, I love that. That That is fantastic. The way you just worded all of that. Um, well, we're getting close to an hour now and this has been an amazing conversation. Um, I want to kind of end with, you know, what are, I like to ask my guests at the end of the show, what are like three things for like people who are wanting to get started right now, have no clue where to get started with all this, you know, I mean, you can type in weight loss into Google and you're going to get a billion of results. Yeah. You know, where do you even start? What are three yeah. things people could do to start right now? Um, so the first thing um, is do that, write everything down on the piece of paper and it has to be paper and pencil. <laughs> <laughs> um, it has to be because <laughs> you're going to get more out of it that way. Um, so write everything down that you put in your mouth, every crumb, every bite, you don't have to weigh it, measure it. You just write down handful of chips, a bite of this, a lot that you literally just write it and start looking at it and, um, getting a feel for what you're actually consuming every day. And you can start making different decisions just from that. So that's one thing. The other thing is I would start walking every day. If you're not like exercising, maybe you take the dog for a walk or something, I mean, definitely include the dog in this, um, but you have, but walk, make that the non-negotiable of your activity right now. Like it could be five minutes. It could be 10. It doesn't matter, but you do it every day. That is what you want it to, you want it to be your habit. You want it to be what you do, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The times will change, whatever, get the movement piece down so that you're used to that. Then the third thing I would do. Um, 
and, and this, I would say maybe even before you go hire a trainer, um, cause that would be like the next step, right? I would say, go definitely go hire somebody. Um, and maybe that, and this can go hand in hand, you know, at home, I would love to see you do like by the end of a day, give yourself a number. Like I'm going to do 20 squats by the end of the day and 20 push-ups, right? So those squats, if you don't even know how to do squat form, you could look it up online and see somebody mm-hmm. re- giving you some decent advice, right? Um, you could even do a box squat. If your knees are bad, you know, straddle the corner of a box or a chair and it's, you know, it's sit down, stand up. That's what a squat is mm-hmm. basically. Right. You, and you look at these videos and they can give you tips on how to breathe and how to hold your chest up, you know, bend over all those things. Right. So like by the end of the day, say, I'm going to do 20, you break it up, however you want to break it up. And for push-ups, put your hands up on a wall, get yourself in a nice straight line, squeeze every muscle in your body. So everything is tight and really start working on those 20 push-ups by the end of the day. And if they become easy on the wall, well, then you go from the wall to a table, right? And mm-hmm. do the same thing. And then maybe they're a little harder. So you stay there for a while. And then maybe you go down from the table to the ottoman or something like that. And you do that. But by the end of the day, you will have done your, your squats and your push-ups. And what you're starting to do is to build some significant strength out of the gate, right? Mm-hmm. With functional movements that are going to help you forever. And then get your trainer and let and let that let that person be impressed with all your squats and push-ups. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then start lifting some weight, you know, properly with great form. So they kind of go hand in hand, I think. Yes. Love those three tips. And it's definitely something that everyone can take in advantage of right now. Um, well, thank you so much, Susan. This has been an absolute pleasure. I'm so glad you had took the time out of your day to come onto the podcast. I know everyone will get a ton of value out of this. Absolutely. Um, thank you for having me. This has been great. Of course. Thank you. And uh, before we close out here, where can everyone find you? And um, especially, I, I didn't even get to bring up your book, but I want you to definitely mention that because I think it's awesome to fit at any age. Uh, but where, where can people find you? Sure. I'm on Instagram, Susan Niebergall Fitness. Um, I have a pretty extensive YouTube channel where I go over a lot of what we talked about today. Um, everything Susan Niebergall Fitness. So you'll find me over on YouTube, um, on Facebook, a little bit of Twitter. I have a podcast, the Strong and Lean at Any Age podcast. And I, I did write a book. It's called Fit at Any Age. It's never too late. You can get it on Amazon. And it's basically a fitness memoir kind of of all the crazy things I've done over the decades, all the mistakes I made, the fitness related mistakes, and then how I turned it all around in my fifties. And then there's a a how to section. Like I give you the tools to do it too. That's awesome. Well, everyone definitely go check her out and I'll include um, her information in the show notes as well for you to look her up. Um, But that's all I have for today, guys. Thank you guys for listening and we'll catch you later. Bye. Once again, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the Chasing Health Podcast. I greatly appreciate you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you can help me by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This really helps me become more visible to others. Also, share this episode with friends or family and take a screenshot of the episode and upload it to your stories. Be sure to tag me and my guests so we can be sure to say thank you. If you ever have any questions or feedback about something covered on the show, you're always welcome to send me a message. You can find me on Instagram, at changing underscore chase. Have a great day, guys. And remember, you matter.